Just like a muscle, here we will grow stronger for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. So please, brothers and sisters, join me here at Jacked for Jesus. Hello everybody to Jacked for Jesus. Um, today is the third day of our um, series, Fruits and Promises, where I speak about the promises of the Lord and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And today, we are talking about the fruit of love, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that a lot of, a lot of people talk about. The first couple of days here, I, I'm kind of talking about more simple aspects of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but I also want to get a good understanding, um, just like a basic level, a foundational level of God's character and God's promises to his chosen ones. And to, as a reminder, all of these promises are have been fulfilled, are being fulfilled, or will be fulfilled because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And if anybody's listening right now that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, understand that all of these all of these promises come from the grace of God and by believing in Jesus Christ, and that no matter where you're at in your life right now, that you can have security and real hope in Jesus, and that you can know that all of your mistakes, all of your wrongdoings, all of your sin that separates you from God can be bridged by believing in Jesus Christ, by believing that He is God, that He came down, died for our sins, rose on again, rose again on the third day, and that we, as His children, share in that inheritance by believing in Him, that we too will rise from the dead. That we too will receive God's favor and blessing and in love and joy and peace because we are in Jesus Christ um, by faith, by faith. Um, and again, if you want to know more about that, I made an episode talking about the gospel, talking about what the gospel means, all that kind of stuff. But today, again, I'm going to be talking about fruits and promises and Today, this episode is Love and the Shepherd's Abundance. So we're speaking about the promise of abundance, which is a promise that is oftentimes misinterpreted. And I kind of want to clear a little bit of that up today. And then we're talking about the fruit of love, um, which can also be misinterpreted in some ways. And we will talk about that today and explore this topic today. Before I start the reading of the scripture, I just want to pray for everybody listening. Lord, I pray that everybody listening to this right now, everybody that's gathered together right now in this moment, um, pointing towards their their eyes, their heart towards you, God. I pray that you would just touch them, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would fill them with love, joy, and peace, and, and your wonderful grace, your wonderful peace that surpasses all understanding, that these people, your children, and, and the lost sheep that aren't your children yet, m- may know that if they ask, they will they will receive. If they seek, they will find. And if they knock, the door will be opened unto them, Lord. I just ask that you pour out all your blessings that they may know that you that you that you so loved us, you so loved the world, Lord, that you sent your only begotten Son, so that whoever should believe in Him will not perish 
but should have everlasting life, Lord. I just I just pray that the people listening would get a taste of who you are, Lord, of your presence, how wonderful you are, Lord. I also pray that they would take to heart the Lord, your, your love, Lord, and, and that they would receive the abundance that only you can offer, Lord. They would be, oh, that it would open their hearts to hearing, receiving, and encountering your blessings, Lord, in your presence. That they would find joy and peace in reading God's word. That I, I too may find joy in reading your word, Lord, and that this episode will carry good fruit. I pray that there will be peace in Israel and Palestine and all over the world for people that need it, Lord. Um, and Lord, you know so much how much this world needs you, your message, your character, your love, Lord, your fruits, Lord. And I also pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just go before me in this episode, go before me in this time, lead me so that everyone listening will not hear me, but rather they will hear the truths of your scripture, the truths of your word. Who is with you, worked through you, and is God. From the beginning of creation all the way up to until now. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for um, letting me pray here. Today, I will be reading John chapter 10. So if everyone has, their, if anyone has their Bible, um, or if they want to keep this in the background and pull it up on their phone, there's a good app called YouVersion that you can use for you to download all that stuff. And I'm going to just read John chapter 10. And I think I will stop halfway through so that I can talk about this kind of more in sections here. But I'll go ahead and just start. The Good Shepherd. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gates, but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gates is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him. And the sheep hear his voice as he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, they did not realize what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for for the sheep, for his sheep. A hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine, and mine know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. 
I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. Again, there was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he is possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one possessed. Surely a demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? And I'm going to stop right there because that's kind of a nice little midway point. Um, this is a super powerful chapter, and I love this chapter um, for so many reasons. Um, but to, to stay on topic, I wanted to read this because I think it, it does a good job of kind of showing both of our topics for today, which is love and which is um, what I'm calling the shepherd's abundance. And I just want to kind of skim through this half of chapter 10 and point some things out. Um, so Jesus starts out here with kind of this this parable, if you can call it a parable, but it's kind of more of an allegory. And what he's depicting is a sheepfold. So he, he starts off by saying, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. So if we just pause and visualize this literally for a moment, um, let's just imagine there's like a farmer or someone else or a shepherd and they kind of have this fence and there's sheep in the fence or not in, not in the fence, but within the, the proximity of the fence. So they're all kept within this, this fence. They have, they have green pastures and they have, um, clean water and on all they could want in this fence. What Jesus starts off by saying, and let's just visualize this, that if there's someone that does not go through the gate, like, okay, so there's a gate, right? There's a gate. Obviously there's a gate. If there's someone that climbs over the fence or gets in there or the dig, whatever it may be into the sheepfold, into this fence with the sheep in them and not through the gate, he calls them a thief and a robber. And he continues, but whoever enters through the gates is the shepherd of the sheep. So he's saying, whoever comes in there, comes into this sheepfold, whoever enters through the gate is one who actually cares for the sheep, the one actually caring for the sheep. In this case, it's the shepherd. But if anyone else enters in a different way, then they don't have good intentions. So that's what um, Jesus is visualizing here. Um, and I'll kind of explain this as an allegory metaphor here in a moment. He continues, he says, the gatekeeper opens it for him. and The sheep hears his voice as he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And so here it's almost like how you would call a dog. Each of the, each of the sheep, uh, assumingly has a name and he, and they, and they know his voice and they respond to his voice. And in this verse, um, breaking away from the literal translation of this. Jesus is talking about him and his own and his own children, the children of God. He says, as Christians, if we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, if we have received salvation by believing in, in Jesus' works and his grace, then we know the Lord's voice. Now that doesn't mean we're we're never gonna be deceived. I mean, sheep within themselves are not the most intelligent creatures. But when it comes to their shepherd, this person that is their livelihood, they will know this person's voice. And they can be and they can be deceived. But they're 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 gonna recognize the authority and the character of their shepherd when he speaks to them. They're gonna know that this man 
loves us and cares for us, that he is our life, that he takes care of us. Without him, we would be um, eaten by wolves. Um, and that's kind of what Jesus is talking about with his own, with his own children. He's saying, I am a shepherd. He says, but they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. And so what God is talking about here, what Jesus is talking about here is that we will listen to him or we will listen to people that speak for God, that like pastors or teachers. And if it's truly his voice, if they're truly speaking biblical truth inspired by the Holy Spirit, that as Christians, we will kind of recognize that. But what else does this um, image represent? Is it, it represents that as Christians, as God's children, we also have a sheepfold. What Jesus is saying, he's, and, he's, and he's speaking about us here in his voice. Also, take take the metaphor a little bit a little bit farther in the idea that we are sheep in a sheepfold. We we listen to God's commands. Um, God doesn't want us doing a bunch of sin. He doesn't want us um, engaging in sexual sin or, or treachery or jealousy, um, all sorts of sins. And if you're, if you're curious what counts as sin, sin is just plain and simple, any act of rebellion against God. And that can be seen in a lot of ways. It can be by having a prideful spirit. It can be by some of our more standard understandings of sin, like murder or stealing or, 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 or jealousy or other things, but it can also be more subtle things like um, boasting when we have no room to boast, being prideful, having a self-righteous attitude. There's so many things that fall under sin. And, and in a way, God's love and God's promise is like the fence. And outside of that fence is our life. If we lived by our flesh, or we've lived, if we lived by sin. So some people look at Christians and say, like, why would you believe in this in this in this god in this person when he like when he asks you to restrict the things you do and and i want to i want to offer this image for you we've been having this image of a sheepfold but i want you to think of the same sheepfold that we've been talking about but now i want you to imagine that everywhere around that fence is like something horrible. So it could be like a river with crocodiles in it. And if we walked into that river, and even though we had the free will as a sheep to walk into that river, we would get eaten. We would get we would get killed. We would get destroyed. And that's Jesus's sheepfold. So you can look at that and you can say, he is restricting our free will. And God gives us free will and he will respect our free will. But I would, I would just challenge you to see it differently. I would challenge you to say, God is asking me to stay away from these sayings because he knows it leads to death. He also knows that following the shepherd, listening to the shepherd's voice, obeying the shepherd, staying in his sheepfold will supply us with green pastures, with living water, with blessings and love and care and and even though sometimes we might feel like we're being restricted. In reality, we're being very, very compassionately cared for. And I don't think it's any different with Jesus.
I think that 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 example is even more applicable to Jesus because in a physical example with the sheep that that's that's physical death. But what God is keeping us away from is spiritual death. Go, going to the place of gnashing of teeth, being eternally punished in hell. That's what that's what Jesus is saving us from. Um, but to continue, so he kind of repeats this. He kind of repeats this again. He makes it more clear. He says, I am the gates for the sheep. So now he's making another separation. Now we understand that the gatekeeper or the shepherd, the person that cares for the, that cares for the sheep, Jesus seems to be saying that he's not that person, but he's also that person. It gets kind of confusing. Jesus is saying he is the gate because the only way to get into that sheepfold or to enter into the kingdom of God is by believing in Jesus. So in that way, Jesus is the gate. Um, I'm going to highlight that real quick. And he says, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the gate. And again, he explains this more about he, how he's the only way into that place. And then he says, a thief comes only to steal and, to, and slaughter and destroy. He is talking about the devil right here. If there's, and there's a lot of ways you can see this. If, if you are believing in promises that are not made by God, if they're promises of the world, if they're promises of the devil, if there's any people listening that are actually like uh, Satanists or witches or, or wizards or whatever, if you're interacting with demons and they're offering to get you into that gate in a different way, Jesus is saying that person is a thief. They don't actually care about you. And this can also apply to false teachers or false prophets or any person that's claiming to promise you this thing that's away from God. That That person is a thief and they're trying to slaughter steal and destroy and jesus is saying don't listen to them don't listen to them he says my sheep won't listen to them he says but he also says i am the good shepherd so he's making it clear that he's both so he's saying i am the way to the father but i am also one with the father i am also god he says i am the good shepherd a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep that continues the, this comparison to his crucifixion God, Jesus laid down his life so that we could have forgiveness of sins and all of the blessings and grace outpoured by God. He continues, a hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own, sees a wolf coming and leaves his sheep and runs away. The wolf catches and scatters them. This person appears to be like the shepherd to the sheep. If you have a hired one come in, so like an example, let's say a Someone was hired to come care for the sheep. Okay. You see that that hired man who's not a shepherd and whose sheep are not, those aren't his sheep. If danger comes or, or evil comes, he's going to run away. And, and and Jesus is saying he's not like that. He will not run away in times of danger. He will not run away if you make mistakes. If, he will not run away if we have any doubts. If this Jesus Christ, our perfect God, will hold on to us even if we're silly sheep and there's a wolf. And we freak out not knowing that our shepherd can deal with any danger that comes our way, that, that comes to threaten our safety as a sheep. He can do again, I am the good shepherd. And I know mine and mine know me. He's talking about his children or his sheep. 
just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I will lay down my life for the sheep, again, alluding to his crucifixion. And again, he says, no one is forcing me to lay down my life. I choose to do it on my own because I love the Father. I want to obey the Father. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. That's alluding to his uh, rising from the dead. This command I have received from my Father. And then the Jews were the, the Jews were hearing all of this, and and some of them were saying this guy is crazy, or he's possessed by a demon. Like this, it, this guy, this guy's nuts. He's a nutcase. And then some of them were saying, well, if he's truly like that, how could he open the eyes of the blind? And I believe that's a miracle he did um, previous to that. So if you want to read about that, that's chapter nine. Also a great story. But the basically they're saying, if he's doing this miraculous things, how can he be uh, possessed by a demon? And that that's our case here. So since I had talked about the first half here, I'm going to continue on the second half. Starting at verse 22 for all of those following in their Bible. Feast of the Dedication. The Feast of the Dedication was then taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus walked about in the temple area on the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can take them out of the Father's hands. The Father and I are one. It's a strong claim here, but I'm going to continue. The Jews again picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my father. For which of these are you trying to stone me? The Jews answered him, We are not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. You, a man, are making yourself God. Jesus answered them, It is not written in your law. I said, You are gods. Oh, is it not written in your laws? I said, You are gods. If it calls him gods to whom the word of the God to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, can you say that the one whom the Father has consecrated and set into the world blasphemes because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not perform my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Then they tried again to arrest him, but he escaped from their power. He went back across the Jordan to the place where John first baptized, and there he remained. Many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but everything John said about this man was true, and many there began to believe in him. Um, wow, this is so amazing. <laughs> I, I, love, I love this, guys. Okay, to continue, this is the second half of John 10. And Jesus is starting to be more transparent about some of his messages that he was alluding to in this in this story, in this visualization, uh, visualization of the shepherd and the sheep and the sheepfold and the thief and the robber. Um, and so Jesus is in the temple area. And the Jews start asking him questions. So like, uh, 
Like, when are you going to tell us, like, plain and simple, that you're the Messiah? Like, we're we asking these questions, and you're not answering me, and all these other things. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. So he's saying that in certain ways, he has told them already that he is the Messiah. And he says, the works I do in my Father's name testify to me. So this, this continues by saying, my miraculous works, my sign and wonders that no one could perform unless they were God or in God, testify to my credibility. He says, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Another thing this is pointing out is that if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, and yet if you have not believed in what he's done, then you will struggle or you will not hear his voice. It will be hard for you to acknowledge the truth. And without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Scripture, the true wisdom of Scripture cannot be revealed to us. You can have a scholar that knows the Bible from beginning to end, but if he doesn't actually, he or she, if they don't actually believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, they will not understand the revelations and the wisdom that God is offering. Because those are things the Holy Spirit has to show us. And if we have the Holy Spirit, we have been adopted as one of God's sheep. That's kind of what he's saying here. So you're saying you're not, you don't believe, so you are not among my sheep. And so this is causing a distinction between children of God, those who believe in Jesus and those who do not, and how his message is taken differently. So he's saying it all starts back to me. You have to believe in what I did first. You have to understand why you need that first. He continues, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can take them out of the father's hands. The father and I are one. This this little section here, guys, if, if, if there's anything to get out of this chapter, it is those three verses. This is, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. He's greater than everyone. Everything. Greater than all. And no one can take them out of the father's hands. The father and I are one. This is one of the claims where Jesus makes in the Bible where he like flat out says, I am God. <laughs> um, he says, I, I am God. Um, but these three verses are so significant because as God's sheep, and, and as a reminder, the topic is love and the shepherd's abundance. Jesus is saying, God is saying, that as the good shepherd, as the good shepherd, he will lay down his life and that we will never perish. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who believe in what he's done, those who believe in God, those who believe in the one true God, the everlasting God, will never perish. This is a claim and a promise by Jesus. He said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Never perish. Now he's not saying we're not going to physically die here on, on this earth because that's a step we have to take to completely, excuse me, to completely fulfill our inheritance in God, to join him in heaven. But what he is saying is that spiritually we will never perish. Our spirit, our soul, will never perish. And he continues in saying, no one can take them out of my hand. 
So now he's continued by saying, once they've entered the sheepfold through the gates, that is me, no one can take them out. They, they, they might venture, they might get lost, but no matter how far they wander, they're still in that fence and they're not going to face spiritual death. That's, that's another claim and a promise. It's saying they may wander, they may get confused, they might uh, hear my words and not obey what I'm doing, but they will, they, they, no one can take them out of the Father's hands. No one can take them out of my hand. And that's an emphasis that I want to make clear for our message today. That's love and the shepherd's abundance. If, if, um, I'm going to kind of appeal to some of your guys' relationships here. Um, and if some of you hadn't had, haven't had like a relationship like this before, uh, one, <laughs> Jesus can be the first person to do this. Um, the example I'm going to use is if, if you've been in a romantic relationship or just in a relationship with a friend, like a really best friend, and you just know that like whatever you do, whatever mistakes you make, this best friend is going to be here for you or this partner is going to be here for you. And you just feel like grounded in that, that you, you have this sense of security that staying, staying with him, that being in their presence, like you will be okay even if you mess up sometimes or you make a mistake. Jesus is that idea, but like times a million. He's saying he loves us so much that he will lay down his life to become our gate. And that once we walk through that gate, he will take care of us. He will bless us. He will, he will fill us with his grace. He, he will teach us. He will love us and care us and feed us and clothe us and, 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 let it, and let us rest in his sheepfold. And that no one can take us out. He's saying, once you've walked through me as, as a gate... All of these promises, if you believe, if you listen, I can fulfill all of them and I will fulfill all of them. That no one can take you out of the sheepfold. And I hope, I hope God touched these, touched these people listening. That they would understand the extent of love and abundance that that, that brings. Because you, you, God, have everything. Everything is in your ownership. You have all spiritual and physical abundance and power and resources and love and joy and peace. And so you're saying no one can take my sheep out of that sheepfold and I, I'm going to take care of them this way. And, and everything you hear, you're going to hear about Jesus points back to love. And, and love is hope and security and so, and so many good things. Like this, this, this just highlights so much what it really means to rest in God, knowing that we can mess up, we could do horrible things. But once we've walked through that gate, you can't walk back out. We can't leave that fence. That we can never leave the salvation God has given us by sealing us in his Holy Spirit. And that's just powerful. I hope, I hope you guys get that. That's just powerful. Um, and, and Jesus keeps talking with the Jews to talk about, well, if you're not going to believe in me for my claims, believe because of the good works I have done. He says, why are you trying to stone me for doing good things? They say, well, it's blasphemy. And he's saying, well, uh, if it's written in your scriptures that you are God, again, lower, lowercase g, so not actually God, but if they have some sort of character synonymous to God's, why would it be so hard to believe that the Father is consecrated and sent into the world 
a son of God, who is all man and all, all God. Um, and, he, and he kind of wraps it up there. I want to read a verse for you. This is 2 Corinthians one twenty. It says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And what this what this verse is saying is kind of going along with John chapter 10 here is saying, by believing in Christ, all of God's promises have been fulfilled. Um, and if you want to know more about why, basically, God has made covenants with all of these people in the Old Testament. And Jesus was basically the perfect man to fulfill every single one of those covenants. Because of that, Jesus filled all of the covenants. And because of that, all of the promises that come with those covenants is ours to receive because of because of Jesus Christ's um, grace, love, and sacrifice. And, and that points again back to that all of these promises are so secure. It's like being in a sheepfold that you can never leave. That you can never leave. That's what Jesus talks about here. And that's just power. Once you, once you click with that, like it's overwhelming how amazing that is that we can have a complete intimate relationship with god that we can soak his presence up like a sponge that we can just love him and love him and that he can love us and that we can be known by him and that we can know him by his scripture and by praying with him and that he can pour out these miraculous gifts on us and that we can that we can receive these gifts we can receive all of these blessings and promises security and love abundance all of these things it's so much it's all because of one man, that's Jesus Christ, because he wasn't just a man, he was God. And he's our gate. He's our gate, also our shepherd. Once you click with that, it makes sense how much God loves us. It makes sense how much abundance he can offer us when we have faith and we let him move in our lives. Because he will respect our free will. So if we don't if we struggle to understand and believe that his grace can pour out into every every aspect of our life, which is part of the reason I'm making this series, because I need the reminder too. If we, if we struggle to believe that, then he's going to respect our free will, our free, our free decisions. So if we decide that he can't do that, he's, he's going to respect that. But at the same time, we don't have to be stuck in that limited mindset. We can read the scriptures and understand everything that God's promised us as his sheep. And it's a lot. And it's amazing things, guys. Amazing things. Um, and God, God, God doesn't rest. He, well, that's not true. He rests when he, he made the seventh day, the seventh day of Genesis, he rested. Um. What I'm saying is that God's working constantly right now to save lost sheep that aren't his sheep yet. Now, at some point, all of us have been outside of the Lord's sheepfold. But by Christ Jesus, by him calling us, we can choose to believe and enter into his sheepfold. And he's working night and day every time in every person's lives, everybody's lives, trying to lead them to him and because he wants to pour out his perfect and intimate and just overwhelmingly amazing surpassing all understanding love joy and peace he wants to care for us and give us security and peace that only he can offer and another important thing about this is that he will protect us from the thief in the night 
now that we are in a sheepfold, like we are safe in a sheepfold, but we still can be deceived. There is a thief that can still come in and try to tempt us or deceive us or, or, or promise us false promises or give us delusions. And while we are protected and safe spiritually, while we're in this temporal life, living out of life, however much God has given us, we can still be deceived in the thief of the night, but it will be easier to know that he is not the shepherd's voice. Our discernment of what what what, what promises, what what language, what, like what is God? How does he speak? And what is not God? will start to become more and more clear and very, very polar. You will start to understand that they're very different. But the devil is tricky because he knows scripture and he will try to give us delusions with half-truths. But even with that, if we stick, if we listen to the shepherd, if we follow, we read his word, we read the Bible, we listen to his promises and we put all of our trust and grace in that, then it will be easy to understand what's coming from the thief. Now, we will we will still slip up. We will still make bad decisions. But it will get easier and easier and easier to discern what is God and what is definitely not God. And that he will, with his Holy Spirit, continue to remind us what he's told us. He will guide us to stay on his, on the right path. Um, and he will lead us to... To, to clean waters, living waters, green pastures, and he'll let us rest. And anybody listening, if you're not saved, I just want you to know that right now, God is actively pursuing you. He is actively and recklessly. There's a song called Reckless Love of God by Corey Asbury. I can't play it. Um, it's no like advertisement or anything, but it's a, it's a good God. And not a good God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a song showing how good God is. And showing how powerful his love is. And, and God will leave his 99 sheep to, and go outside of his sheepfold to find the one lost sheep and bring him back every time. And then he will continue to bring in all of these lost sheep, all of these lost souls. And God wants to do that for every person, everybody everybody i hope you guys get that um i hope this analogy and everything makes sense i'm not making anything up this is all jesus talking but i hope i've explained in a way that it is understandable um so now i I've, I've kind of talked about what love looks like in the security and abundance of the good shepherd which uh, god right i kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about God causes, calls us to love him and to love our neighbors, to love one, love one another. And that's a very important part of the fruits of the Spirit is love. And sometimes we, as a society, whether it's America, wherever you're at, we have distorted viewpoints of what love is actually like. Like here in America, it's very sexual and sensual and, and kind of like this lovey-dovey feeling stuff, um, which I, I, I firmly believe that that is a reflection of how God wants love to look like. Um, and I think we can't experience the feeling and sensation of love when we pray with God, and soak up his presence. But it's also more than just a feeling. And that's kind of what I want to talk about here for a second. I want to read two verses 
First one is Luke 6.35. And it says, Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And in 1 Corinthians 13.4, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And now I want you to keep those two verses in your in your mind. And I want to talk about the, the, the word in the Bible that translates to love in English. And that's the word agape. Well, in these in these quotes, it's or verses, it's agape. And kind of roughly translated agape, it's like the hard love. Or the or the love that's more like a commitment and a continual choice. It's kind of the love we talk about with marriage. Like we understand that marriage is a holy commitment before the Lord, saying, I'm gonna stick with this person, this person's gonna stick with me. And even if we don't feel even if we don't feel its emphasis, even if we don't feel love, we are making the choice to care for the person without expecting anything back. And in and, and, and the Bible, it goes so far as to say, love your enemies, those who actively pursue you, actively go against you, disagree with you, it says, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. That's what God did with us. Before we were, before we were in Jesus's sheepfold, God still loved us and he gave to us and did good to us and graciously sustained our life and gave us blessings and gave us trials without expecting anything back so that we may have the opportunity to walk through the gate that is Jesus so that we can be in his love, that we can love him and, and, and reside in his promises and his his and his eternal salvation. The Bible calls us to do the same thing with our enemies, with one another. And First Corinthians thirteen four continues by saying, "Love is patient, and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud. It's patient and kind." And that's the kind of love that we're talking about when we talk about love is fruit of the spirit. It's this hard love that we don't want to do sometimes. It, it's it's the kind of love that calls you to be nice to the people that are really not nice to us. And this is and I want to make something clear. This is a good thing to practice, but this is also something that the Holy Spirit has to cultivate in you, has to grow in you and develop in you. It's not something we can just strive for because it also takes an attitude and and a spiritual mindset shift and that's something god will work in us he will slowly conform us to have this kind of love because it's not just feelings our human feelings as a fallen creatures as fall as fallen beings can be deceitful and temporary but the love that jesus and god offers and it has all those feelings come with it but it's forever and it's not deceitful it's truth Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is truth. It is light. It is life. It is the way. And God calls us to love like that. And that's hard. <laughs> and it takes practice and it takes a lot of a lot of character development by walking with the Spirit, walking with God. And, and if we have to strive for it, then we're not coming from the right spot. This is the kind of love that we should give to people around us by walking in the spirit by walking with God and understanding and and truly living 
in God's promises and God's love first. God is our first love. And without him, we can't truly love like this. If you're not truly in God, you can't truly love like this. It's a God thing. And at some point, we were all enemies of God. And he saved us and how has adopted us as children in his kingdom. He wants us to be that same way. He wants to have us love like that with other people so that we too can make, we, we can be a light in this world. We can be the salt and light of this world and get other people to see what God's love can be like. And while we're on this earth, we can't have this love perfectly. We're never going to be able to do this perfectly. Not, not here in this physical life right now. But it's something that Spirit will develop in us through sanctification and time in the Lord's presence. Now, I want to make that clear. I don't want you to rush this. I want you to act with the amount of faith God has given you. And I want you to walk this path with God yourself. Um, but I wanted to make it clear what kind of love this is. And I think it's important to know what this kind of love is because it's exactly what Jesus has done for us. And that's why he calls us to be that way too. Uh, and so I want to encourage you guys to not push for this kind of love. Now, if you truly care about other people, even those that aren't nice to you, I, it, 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 I'm not like telling you not to be this way. But if you're striving for it just to try to like please God or, or please yourself or feel righteous, then it's not coming from the, it's not coming from the right place. It should come out of being filled with God's love and promises and presence first. And so don't just don't rush this. Walk with God with it. Read his word. Um, study this. Understand it. Um, and just walk in the temple that God has set for you. He's given us all different paths, all different typos and rhythms. And that's for us and him to focus on. This is important. This is important to understand. Okay. That was a lot really quick. <laughs> um, thank you for everybody who's like sticking in here. Um, and I actually think that's kind of the end of this. I just want to remind you that it's agape. It's hard love. That hard love brings amazing things. That God is our perfect good shepherd. That once we walk through the gate of Jesus, we are initially full. We are saved. So now that we're finished up, um, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I might got a little route up this episode, but I hope you guys clicked with this. Now that we're finished up, I just want to pray us out. Uh, I'll just do that. Lord, I, I just ask everybody listening, all of us gathered here right now, that you would show us, that you would reveal to us with your Holy Spirit, your true love, the extent of your true love, the extent of your grace and joy and peace, the extent of your promises, the extent of your glory and magnitude and power and abundance and armory and and, and you are just so much more, Lord, than we can ever understand. You offer so much more than we can understand. That we don't deserve any of this. That we have never earned any of this. We have done no good work other than believing in your, your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that we don't deserve any of this. That we thank you for your graceful, graceful gifts, your loving gifts. For being tender and compassionate and perfectly just, perfectly loving and being and being our way, our truth, and our life, Lord. Thank you for sending your Son to fulfill the covenants, because you knew we could not, Lord. 
You knew that all of us would do something wrong. All of us would sin somehow. And you sent yourself as your son to fulfill those covenants and to be the living sacrifice. And you took on sin so that we can be with you, Lord, so that we can love you, so that we can experience the extent of you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for loving us, for being so graceful, Lord. I just pray that you would boldly, steadfast, recklessly just encounter these people listening right now. Change your lives, Lord. Change my life. Lead me, Lord, into the unknown. But I, I, I know, Lord, that I know your voice, that you are my good shepherd. So lead us all into places that we get never dreamed about being in. Lead us, Lord. Let us give us a spirit of victory and faith and courage and love, Lord, so that we can walk in the purpose and the good works that you have prepared for us, Lord. And Lord, above all, bring us to know you intimately, to have a relationship with you intimately, so that we may not be the ones knocking at the door of the feast, saying, let us in, Lord, we did all these things for you, and you would tell us, depart from me, I never knew you, Lord. Above all, let us, show us, bring us to have a deep, intimate, loving relationship with you, Lord, so that we may enter the feast. Thank you, Lord, for coming before me in this episode. Thank you, Lord, for um, everything you've done for the opportunity to do this podcast, this series, the opportunity to have your word, your Bible, um, the, the, your scripture, the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me into this point of life. I can be with you and be with your son, Jesus, and just rest in you, Lord. Thank you so much. I pray that you would just bless these people listening right now and that they would continue to seek you and rejoice in your word, Lord. I pray all of this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Okay. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody listening. Um, that wraps up day three of the series, Fruits and Promises of Jack for Jesus. Um, I'm Andrew Kufal, and I will see you soon for um, day number four.